awesome morning and afternoon, a little downtime. That is so amazing. Well, we have, this is our pre-service prayer. So thank you for coming early, pushing in, um, setting the atmosphere for the amazing move of God that will take place today. I'm super duper excited. Um, I have the pleasure to introduce Miss Kathy Abair. Um, she is amazing, so kind, so giving. I know also an intercessor. I heard from Pastor Bev that you're looking to start up the intercessory ministry here, which is so amazing. And so I encourage you to open your heart um, to what she has to say for this pre-service time. This is just kind of off the cuff, but with the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> just this morning, they asked me if I would just share for like five minutes. And uh, certainly, I, there are lots of subjects that I feel very passionate about when it comes to the Lord. Um, one of them, of course, being prayer. And uh, there's nothing that is more powerful than when you pray God's word. When you know God's word and you pray God's word into your circumstances, that is like, to me, the most powerful thing you can do. And of course, and also praying in the Holy Spirit. Um, as far as uh, a scripture that is really uh, an important scripture to me is Proverbs twelve twenty five, And that scripture says that anxiety in the heart of a man weights it down. But a good word makes it glad. And, you know, God's word can never be wrong. You know, when, uh, I mean, I remember a long time ago just a testimony of teaching adult Sunday school. And I was extremely nervous because my pastor was going to be in the adult Sunday school class. And I was like, and I have to teach my pastor Sunday school. But... And I was, I was getting worked up about it with fear, and the Lord spoke to me so clearly. He said, you can never go wrong when you're speaking my word. And that was a long time ago, and I know that God's word is the way to go. And I mentioned, I think, earlier today, and I knew Mary mentioned it, and I know that uh, Beverly and Bethany and everyone else preaches on this, that having decrees... When we have decrees that we make that follow in line with what God's word is and we decree those things over our life, it's so important. We, what we've been hearing through the whole conference, the words that we speak. What is coming out of our mouth? Are we speaking life or are we speaking blessings? We have to speak life over our friends, life over our situations, life over our circumstances. We cannot be a people that stop and look at what's really happening in the natural. We have to remember, what does God's word say? And God's word says that he takes all things and he works them for good. It says that, you know, it's like when you see a situation that is full of confusion, well, you know that that is not from God. God is not the God of confusion. And another thing that uh, we've been hearing about on Sunday mornings, Pastor Garland. Pastor Garland, by the way, is a wonderful, wonderful pastor. And if you don't have a church, I would suggest you come to our church. Either this, we, we meet here in, and then the Metairie uh, campus as well. And then they're also online and you can see them in, during the middle of the week and everything else. But uh, we talk about the difference. He's talked about this different uh, subject again that's very important to me. The difference between condemnation and conviction. 
Condemnation is going to do nothing but cause you to feel guilty of the brethren. He is going to be right there to get you to do something that is not of him, and then he's going to slam you with, look at you, what you just did, and you call yourself a Christian. The Holy Spirit is gentle. The Holy Spirit is full of conviction, a way to make that right. You turn away from it. You put it under the blood, you ask for forgiveness, you repent, and you move on. Because all of us mess up. I don't think, I I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I know that I mess up on a regular basis. You know, I have a a little bit of a feisty personality that came from my sweet, dear 92-year-old mother that you just don't cross. <laughs> she was like, I think that's why she's 92, because she's pretty feisty. But I'm, I'm, matter of fact, I have a son who many times will say, oh, you're acting like Winona's daughter, mom. <laughs> you know, because my mom is like really pretty feisty. But you know, that, that sometimes can be a really great thing that is directed properly, but it can also get us into some messes sometimes where we have to just really stop and say, wait a minute, did I really need to say that? Did I really need to act like that? And and fortunately, we have a Holy Spirit that brings that conviction, and we turn from that, and then we put it under the blood, we ask for forgiveness, and we move on. Because the enemy would like to take that same thing and tell you, you know, you call yourself a Christian, make you feel like you, you can't even pray. Because, like, why should I pray? I mean, I'm not in right favor with God. I feel so guilty. I feel so terrible. I'm this bad person. I shouldn't even go back to church. I mean, why should I go to church? I'm just a messed up person. That's the enemy. That is the enemy. The word of God says we are the. He loves us no matter what. We, there's no way that he does not love us. He loves us. And uh, the enemy of our souls is real. He comes to kill and steal and destroy. So I don't want to take more than five minutes, but I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited about all of the ladies. I'm excited about what's happening and what we've been hearing today. Such wonderful, wonderful testimonies. Um, uh, One of the things, too, that I just wanted to touch on that the Lord speaks to me on a regular basis, and it's an area that I feel like that I encourage women, and I heard... um, um, is her, is her name Dodie? No, Dory. Dory, yeah, the fish. Yeah, okay. Dory spoke the same thing that the Lord speaks to me on a regular basis to encourage other women. That Because I, I have a ministry with a women's group, and there are women in that group that are of all different levels in their walk with the Lord. And I encourage those ladies, no matter what, you have the testimony of what God has done in your life. When you share your testimony of the goodness of God in your life, there is an anointing on that. That belongs to you. Nobody can take that, and it's powerful, and people listen to it. So we all have our stories. We all have our testimonies. Share those stories, ladies. Do it. All right. I'm going to turn it over to Mary. Thank you, Kathy. God has an encouraging word for us tonight about prayer, and the title of this teaching tonight is beware of prayerlessness beware of prayerlessness we're going to turn into luke 22:46 and he said unto them why sleep ye rise and pray 
lest ye enter into temptation. Life presents itself with many opportunities for us to pray. And how we respond to them depends on what we love or what we're looking for. Some people look to destroy Jesus, while others look ways to bring him glory. He said, one would deny me and one would forsake me. Jesus looked for ways to where he could be close to his disciples. Peter missed an opportunity to become strong and be a victor when he boasted instead of listening. He slept when he should have been praying. When Peter had an opportunity to repent, he wept. But the same guys who could not watch and pray for one hour with Jesus, guess what? They could fish all night. Isn't that funny? Well, when it came time to cast out devils, they did not even have the power to do that because the power came from prayer and fasting. Your priorities matter. Ephesians 6 tells us to pray without ceasing on every occasion in the spirit, always alert to seize opportunity. Yeah, the Bible is telling us to seize the opportunity for doing so with unweariedness, with, uh, with persistence, and entreaty on behalf of all God's people. We miss golden opportunities when we don't pray. People of Noah's day had a chance to come into the ark, but they were too busy with life. Some people don't have the time to listen to God. We kick ourselves after because we fail to respond when we hear God's call. We miss being positive in someone's life to bless someone when they are hurting or to witness to a lost person or not, not to get a position because we weren't even prepared. Sometimes we're too preoccupied and didn't seize the opportunity, the moment when the Holy Spirit was nudging us to pray. Judas was given, like Mary, an opportunity for worship. Jesus, but instead... I mean, Judas, but instead, like Pharaoh, he too thought it was a waste of time and money. That mentality prevails today. You don't have time for communion with God. We tend to say a quick prayer and not really engage as Mary did as she knelt and prayed and worshiped God. You don't have time for devotions. I have too much work to do, barks our society today. Nowhere in this mindset is it seen more clearly than in Judas. Yet Jesus would later refer to Judas himself as the son of perdition and literally the son of waste because the biggest waste is that of wasting the opportunity and wasting his life. At a dinner at Simon's house in Jesus' honor, in, chapter, in John chapter 12, they made a supper, a great supper, a feast in honor of Jesus. They did this as a token of their respect and their gratitude for the friendship for Jesus. Mary and Martha, Martha served. She herself waited on the tables in token of a great respect for the master. The particular respect which Mary showed him did in her worship above the rest in anointing his feet with sweet ointment. And with this, she anointed the feet of Jesus as a further token of her reverence to him as she poured the oil on his head and his feet and she wiped them with her hair. 
This was a token. This token was taken notice by all that was present. For the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Worship is costly. Not just the oil, but the criticism of Judas. Those that criticize the experience become barren, dryness, and uselessness. The fragrance filled the house, and her adoration revealed her love, but also it brought joy to the heart of Jesus. But it exposed Judas. Mary had insight because she was constantly, expressively, expectantly at the feet of Jesus. She gave her heart lovingly, and she took her hair down, which represents the glory of a woman, and laid her glory at his feet. This was done in her humility. Judas started the criticism with his first utterance of why, and his spirit influenced other disciples. They joined and agreed. They admired that he was so concerned for the poor, thinking what a devoted follower he was. Judah's heart was not right, and his lips spoke the wrong things as he publicly rebuked Jesus in front of the entire guest. When he had the opportunity, he could have praised the Lord. Jesus, as the guest of honor, as anger and bitterness and resentment surface, he blames others and defends his own position. How often we criticize others to make our own self look good and others worse. We filter things through thinking of our past hurts and experiences. Now as Judas was finished his speaking, he has now struck an argument with God. Beware of those feelings that end up in warfare against God. Jesus said to him, leave her alone, as he defended Mary for her act toward him. You will always have an opportunity for service. He said, but don't miss this opportunity of the precious intimacy with me. He said, this act would be a blessing to all believers in the world for centuries to come. And guess what? I'm teaching about it now. After Jesus rebuked and declared that her deeds a woman over a man would make a difference in this world to come? That really ticked him off. And the Bible said at that point, Judas left and went immediately to the high priest to betray Jesus. A part of that actually paid a part in his decision to betray Jesus was an offense. Offenses come when resentment about a perceived insult when the truth is revealed and the true motives cause people to uproot themselves and leave and walk out on God. They get mad and say, well, I'm just not going back to that church again. They disconnect from their worship to God. They disassociate themselves from the body of Christ in a huff and have a pity party for their own self-esteem. Self-exalting is called vain glory. Self-importance is to their shame. Judas was not in it for the long haul. He was there for what he could get out of it for himself. It wasn't the perfume being wasted on Jesus. It was the exalting of her over him. He said, why her and not me? He wanted the affirmation without the adoring. Jesus, he wanted the adoring without adoring Jesus in worship. That's the world's view 
of trying to enter in through some other way. An offense is a stumbling block, a put down, a left-handed compliment. Instead of peace with the Lord and doing what is right, he sought revenge. He allowed a worship service to turn into an ugly argument with God. Judas chose to be outraged, to betray the Lord, and choose wrong because he got offended. Beware of prayerlessness because this is what it can do. You never know how far along you are in maturing in Christ until a trial comes. Trials don't make you or break you. They just show what's going on inside of you. Paul and Silas in Acts 16 were in a dark dungeon. You would have think they would have been prayerless. But in stocks, a painful punishment, very beaten up. But their voice was not only of prayer, but they were singing praises to the Lord who gives a song in the night. As the prisoners heard them, they did not hear wailing or gnashing of the tree, teeth, but of holy gladness. So no wonder the guards listened. God went to work. Suddenly there was an earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken and the doors opened. Everyone's bands became loose. The guard was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners would escape. And Paul and Silas had an opportunity to escape, but they chose to pray with this bewildered jailer. He would have died in his sins if, they, if the Paul and Silas would have escaped. But it, he, Paul and Silas showed God's love and grace toward this man. And the man was converted. He said, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not believe about Jesus Christ, but believe on him. If you're beaten up, God will work through you to bring others to himself. And if you're beaten down like the jailer thought, God will work for you to bring you to himself. And Satan has been beat back because Jesus' back was beaten for you. Don't kill yourself. Don't despair. Don't curse. Don't moan. Don't gripe. Don't mourn. Rather sing, pray, call on God, and be saved. Be glad Satan has been defeated, and we can trust God to send help to our, on our way. On Matthew 26, 41, the scripture says, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus is not condemning us here. He is encouraging us about praying. If we don't pray, he says we faint. If we don't pray, we lose heart and get discouraged and then eventually quit. Prayer depends on God's word because it's his message is truth and it's of power. In Genesis, it said, and to his father, he sent after this matter, 10 asses laden with good things of Egypt and 10 she asses laden with corn and bread and meat for his father, by the way. So he sent his brethren away. This is this is Joseph. And he, they departed, and he said unto them, See that you fall not out by the way. Here Joseph says, I'm giving everything that you need to make the journey from where you are to where I am. Just see that you don't fall out by the way. It's easy to fall out by the way. It's easy to just say, My body's hurting, my stocks are dropping, my head is spinning, and it's time to kick back a bit. But you're greater than Joseph is speaking to you tonight and saying, don't do it. Don't fall back and don't give up. 
There's a story of a man at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. Jesus is asking him if he wants to be made well. Would you like to stand up on your feet and be a part of this world? Jesus is seeking the man's confidence. And he is asking of us today, meaning we are not all of what we ought to be. When we face the facts about ourselves, we know that we're not completely living in the abundantly. So Jesus always sees possibilities in us that we don't see in ourselves. This man replies back to Jesus, Sir, I don't have anybody to put me into the water when it's troubled. When I get, when, to, um, let's see, to get in first to be healed, there is no one to put me in the pool. While I'm coming, someone steps ahead of me. He is sick, he is weak, he's in despair, and he's defeated, and he's ready to quit and does not see any hope of recovery. What can I do about it? And his answer would have been nothing. But for this whiner, Jesus is telling him something that is impossible for him to do. He is speaking words of authority. He said, get up. We can excuse ourselves for sin and our shortcomings, but Jesus has come for us to do the impossible. This man did as Jesus commanded. So here is a key for him to be made whole. Simply, he willed what Jesus willed for him. He took up his mat. His knees could have buckled under him, but he picked up his mat so not to go to the old way. Then Jesus commanded him to walk. You have been carrying that long enough. You've whined of your weakness, the faults of the church, a rotten society that we live in. You carried your part of the load. Get up and help life be a better place. You need to make up your mind to do as Christ is doing and find life and find victory. Over the years, I've known those whose roots have gone down into the soil of the word, whose lives have been borne much fruit, who in despite of the setbacks and shortcomings have not fallen out by the way. May we be those kind of people. We realize Jesus had a chance to quit. He said, let this cup pass from me. He could have given up. He could have said, I quit. I had enough. What kept him going is the love that he had for his children was greater than the pain of the journey. That is why he loves. He loves you. He loves me. Love endures all things. The cross of Christ bears all things. It believes in things. It hopes in all things. It endures all things. And his lover covers all things. He suffered the cross. He endured the pain so that we could be free. There is no greater love than this, than him to lay down his life for us. Repent, turn to God, don't be prayerless, get up, be made whole, and walk again, as said in his love. In 2 Peter 3:17, ye therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things, beware lest you also be led astray with error of the wicked and fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. The offices of the children of Israel came and cried unto Pharaoh, saying, Where dealest thou thus with thy servants? Although we sympathize with the children of Israel, we must take note of their mistake in crying out to Pharaoh instead of calling out to God. 
when their work became unbearable because of the new rules, the Hebrews sent the foreman to protest to Pharaoh. And instead of going to Pharaoh to complain, what they should have done is contacted Moses and Aaron and say, let's call a prayer meeting. They should have reminded themselves of the promise of God and claimed them by faith. What a difference it would have made and for their leaders. Are you having a hard time at work? Is your boss cracking the whip? Is your supervisor loading you down? Are your coworkers demanding more of you than you think is reasonable? Don't cry to your boss. Cry to the Lord first. Get directions from him. For as the old hymn says and it declares, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we did not carry everything to God in prayer. This is so simple and we know it to be true. But we must be reminded over and over again. Maybe you too. It's easy to cry to Pharaoh. It's easy to cry to your friends. It's easy to go to your husband and your wife, your brother and sister, your pastor, your elder. It's easy to seek people out when in reality God would say, woe to those rebellious people who take counsel, but not of me. Is the whip cracking? Is your back aching? Cry unto the Lord. Moses, what all spiritual leaders must do when the going got tough, he took the burden to the Lord and honestly talked to him about the situation. Moses was disappointed and distressed, and with that he blamed God for the way Pharaoh was mistreating the Jews. Many people get mad at God. They hold their fists toward him for what they are going through. He accused God of doing nothing. This is why you sent me to these people, he asked. In other words, are you going to keep your promise or not? When I read that, I went, I would never talk to God like that. But Moses did. He was laying it all out to God because they were coming to kill him because he was the leader. But how did the Lord encourage his struggling servant? God's mercy and great love in the heart of his tenderness. Four times he reminded Moses, I am the Lord thy God. And he used his covenant name seven times with Moses. And then he said to him seven times, I will, I will, I will, I will. God is faithful and he will keep his promise. When we claim his promises, we claim peace and courage in the battles of life. God assured Moses he felt the burden of the people and he was working on their behalf. God's plan will never fail. So simply don't be prayerless. Leave your concerns with him and do as he tells you to do, leaving the consequences with him. What he begins, he will always complete. Jesus encourages us about praying in Luke 8:15. It's a story about a widow with obstacles to her praying and how she overcame. Living in a rotten society, if we don't pray, we're going to faint. We're going to lose heart, and we are going to get discouraged and quit. Jesus is contrasting a judge and the father by saying, you are not like her. You're the opposite of her. She received from a selfish judge, but how much more your loving father that will give to his children. We are not pestering him. So people think praying to God that he's busy, too busy answering bigger prayers than what they have to give him. No, he is willing and ready to answer any and every prayer. 
She was a stranger to the judge, but you are the children of the Most High God that cares for you. She had not any access to the judge, but we have access to the throne of grace by the blood of Jesus, to his presence at any time. This woman had no friend in court to help her with her case, but we have Jesus, our advocate, to represent us. She was a nuisance and shouted, as believers, we have a high priest that constantly hears our request when we pray. We have unlimited favor with God. We have the word of God to claim the promises, but this widow had no promise to claim at all. All she could do is convince the judge. We not only have the promises, but we have the Holy Spirit to assist us in our request. He is called alongside of us as we come boldly to the throne of grace. She was pleading out of her poverty. We have all the riches available to us through Jesus Christ and everything that we need. This is to our advantage to not give up, but to continue to press into prayer that God will answer for his glory and our good. Satan is a strong enemy and Paul exhorts us to be strong when our flesh is weak. We must have motivation to do that job, and that comes from prayer and by the Holy Spirit who enables us to win the battle. The word of God and prayer are two resources God's given the church to overcome the enemy and to gain territory. Make prayer your priority in your life because it is so vital for your walk. Many, it is little more than an obligation and all too often a burden. We know we should pray. We agree that there is power in prayer, but many, it is not our first response to the situation. That is not what prayer was meant to be. The reason it may have become a duty is we fail to comprehend the text, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. We come to the Father through His Son by the Spirit. If the Spirit didn't draw us, we would never pray at all. Praying in the Spirit is to pray above and beyond your present distressing and discouraging and physical limitations. It is to rise above the stench of despair and believe God for the impossible things. Letting your faith arise, proclaiming the word of the Lord. Guarantee that the answer will come. While others are mourning, you will be rejoicing. While others are fearful, you will be faithful. When others are bewildered, you will be blessed. And Joshua discomfited Amalek with his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in your book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovanesi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. When the battle was finally won, God instructed Moses to record what had transpired in a book in order for future generations would know that the battle was won not by the sword in the valley of interaction, but through prayer on the mount of intercession. Oftentimes we think that there were more skilled with the sword in the scriptures. If we were better with dialogue and counsel, if we would love more or do more, we would see the salvation of our parents, our grandchildren, our neighbors and friends. But the story tells us that it is not where the battle is won. The battle is won on our knees through prayer. 
Why is prayer so important? Because the old age saying that prayer changes things is only partly true. I think it's more accurate to say that faith changes things and prayer changes me. Yes, God wanted the children of Israel to win the battle, but he also wanted to win the heart of Moses in a deeper way. And he wants to do the same with us. We may think that our situation needs to change, but God, whoever knows that even if it did did change, we would still be unhappy, sleepwalking through lifeless. Our hearts were changed unless our hearts were changed. Therefore, he says, because I want to fill your heart, inflame your soul, satisfy that ache within you, which can only be satisfied by me, you're going to have to choose to come to me time after time after time again because when you do, you'll get to know me in the process. And when you get to know me, it is only then that you'll be content and fulfilled and happy. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Jesus said. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Jesus is telling us that he is knocking at the door of the church, of the heart of the believer. Therefore, when we pray, we are acting as doormen, opening the door and inviting him in. He doesn't beat the door down. He doesn't bust his way in. He doesn't force his presence or force hit the issue. But whoever hears the knocking and is wise enough to open the door in prayer will enjoy the presence in the company by praying. I open the door. That doesn't mean Jesus is obligated to do what I ask or desire. That's up to him. But I have learned, however, that if he doesn't, then I suggest he will do better than what I was even asking for. Beware of prayerlessness. If I don't open the door and if I don't pray and I'm left on my own with my kids, my marriage, my ministry, that is not a good place to be. We want to keep up in our prayer life. So what is the best way? God's way, spending it on my knees, engaged in conversation with the Father. In 1 John 5, 15, it says, and this is the confidence that we have with him, asking according to his will, we know he hears us. Then whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. We need to be in God's will and in harmony and supported by the word. And when we do, we lay hold of God's willingness. There is never a need that he can't solve. So the Lord would say, I know the path that you have walked on. I know the circumstances that you have dealt with. I have seen you. Therefore, I have seen and I know and understand the things that you wrestle with, the dilemmas that you have gone through, the questions that you have asked. I know your worst fears. And I know your faith. Today I've come to encourage you to those things you have worried about. Things you are anxious about. And this day as you release them to me, I will deal with them. Shake off the things that have kept you preoccupied and tied to this world. Today is a new day to live and to seek my kingdom. Set yourself to not only know me or about the spiritual realm, but to experience and live in the truth. Put your faith entirely in me. Otherwise, you'll be driven by fear and anxiety. I am for you. I am not against you. If you will allow my supernatural intervention in your life, you'll be amazed at how perfectly things will work out. You must surrender completely to me. 
Pray with thanksgiving in your heart. Come to me with your very best praise, and you will see who I will be for you every step of the way. This is the time when we need to set ourselves apart from everyday life for supernatural renewal. There are often times of windows up opportunity when God wants to do something big in your life. Invitation is now being open to you to come. Not just enough invitation, but an opportunity to advance in the fulfillment of your destiny. You don't want to miss this moment with God. He is calling those to prayer who are willing to intercede. Watchmen's on the wall for your children and for our churches, our communities, and the nations. If ever there is a time for us to pray and seek the face of the Lord, it is now. So let's be a part of this great move of God by increasing your time of your ministry to pray. Amen. So who is it tonight that God's saying you laid it aside? Maybe you just was praying and you gave it to God and then you picked it back up again and now you're carrying that burden all over again. You opened up a door to defeat when you did that. You opened up a door to being faint-hearted and discouraged. God's calling you tonight to a life of prayer. He wants you to turn it over to him. Jesus is saying tonight to pray one hour with him, to just engage with him, spend that time with him, being devoted to him, and peace will come to you because you're, not, you're willing to pray and to spend that time with him. The battle is won on your knees. Amen? So who needs to surrender? Is there somebody that needs prayer tonight? Would you come? I'll be willing to pray for you as you want to commit yourself back to God. You want to lay your burden back down toward the Lord. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So Heavenly Father, you know, there are times in our life where it's hard for us to get out and move and to admit, oh God, that we were less than what we thought we were. And to say that out loud, we have to humble ourselves and say, God, that was me. I did that. I, I, I'm not praying like I should. I'm not seeking you like I should. And then when I do seek you, sometimes I pick it back up again, Lord. And I know you speak in the hearts tonight, God. So, God, down inside of their heart, I pray that you would deal with them and give them a stirring again to realize, oh, God, the importance of praying, the importance of staying in there, the tenaciousness of prayer, the ability to have that bulldog kind of faith that doesn't quit. God, rise up inside of us hearts, hungry hearts, to be in your presence, to be committed, to give you everything, God, as we surrender to you tonight and commit to you tonight once again and once again and keep praying and keep believing and keep trusting and keep God as we surrender to you. We thank you God for this word tonight now implanted inside of our lives that we may be a better person. God grow inside of us we pray in Jesus name. So Heavenly Father I'm just asking you to touch the rest of the service tonight that we're going to have God we intercede on behalf of the message that's being brought forth God. You said this morning that there would be an open heaven and I praise you for that God. Open up the heavens, Lord, right now in Jesus' name and give us that open heaven between us and you. And Jesus, I'm just asking for that visitation of, of visions, God, of visions, Lord, that they'll seek you. Ezekiel said when the heavens were open, I saw the Lord. When he saw the Lord, he saw you being revealed. So, God, we ask him for your revelation to reveal yourself to everybody tonight as the word is being preached, God. Let it come forth in power. Let the anointing fall, God, in a special way. Touch our families, God. Touch
touch lives, touch us, oh God, we pray in a special way, God, minister to the hurting, I pray, in the name of Jesus, those that are coming tonight, they need a healing in their body, God, I pray for victory over the sickness and disease, and from that moment on, they're sick no more, I thank you, God, for the power of deliverance, Lord, for those that need a deliverance in their, their life, God, that they will see you a better way, God, and they will give their life to you, in the name of Jesus, to surrender to salvation, Oh, yeah. 
ask you, Lord God, to bless each speaker, to, to bless each participant. We thank you, Lord God, for your word is true. You are faithful, Lord God, for you are going to cut down every enemy that comes against us, Lord God, because we stand firm on the rock of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is quite alive in each of us, Lord God. We just thank you and we praise you and we give you the glory. flow in this place 